OTAs were great uh, just to really understand uh, the concepts and, and really not just learn the running back position, but the whole offense and uh, understand timing with what the quarterback sees and what Kyle sees and getting timing right with the O-line and juice and the tight end. So uh, coming into camp, you know, you're not playing catch up. So it's been great to be able to kind of um, not just learn the offense, but master it. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Christian McCaffrey, C-Mac right there talking about OTAs. And C-Mac is coming to town. The San Francisco 49ers are coming to town for joint practices with the Raiders. And, of course, preseason game number one at Allegiant Stadium comes Sunday. Join us now on the phone lines to talk all things 49ers is our good friend Matt Barrows from The Athletics. And, Matt, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. We just heard from Christian McCaffrey right there about OTAs. From your vantage point, how has training camp gone so far for San Francisco? Yeah, he's been one of the uh, the central figures there. I, I, I put him and Brandon Ayuk, the, the receiver up there, as uh, two of the top guys. And I know that uh, 1,000, 1,000 seasons, 1,000 uh, receiving yards, 1,000 rushing yards are, you know, like uh, uh, the blue moon of, of the NFL. <laughs> but I, I think he's got a at least uh, an interesting shot at getting that, just because uh, he's such a good receiver He's done it before, uh, obviously, with, with the Panthers. And, um, you know, that's one of the themes of training camp so far is that the 49ers are throwing the ball to the running backs quite a bit. And it's not just McCaffrey. When he's out, they're going to his backups as well. So I think that that's uh, it's something that I'm going to keep my eye on early in the season just to see whether, you know, that's that's legitimate or not. Um, you know, he does have the, the benefit of, uh, a 17th game, uh, whereas he, he did it in 16, and Marshall Falk did it in 16, and, and Roger Craig did it in 16 games as well. So, like I said, I, I think there's a uh, at least a legitimate chance that that happens. How much juice did he bring to the, the 49ers organization when they made that big trade for him? We don't see big blockbuster trades in the NFL too often, but that one to me was a really good one that really helped that team out. Yeah, I mean the the win loss uh, record uh, shows it. You know, he came in and he didn't start that that first game against Kansas City. They lost it, and then they went on a tear after that. Um, he scored. He came in mid season. He scored more touchdowns than anyone else on the team. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> and it's a talented team, right? Uh, and he did that in half a season. So, um, you know, there was one game against the Rams where he uh, he ran for a touchdown, caught a touchdown pass, and threw for a touchdown pass. Uh, so it was, um, you know, everything, uh, it, it, the most uh, optimistic scenario when they made that uh, th- that trade occurred. Uh, and this whole offense is, is really geared toward him. It's like I said, a lot of throws to the tailbacks. He's going to be uh, the central figure in that, uh, in that attack. Again, we're talking with Matt Barrows from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things 49ers. So whoever's throwing the ball to the backs, what's the scenario with them when it's Brock Purdy? You have uh, Trey Lance. You have Sam Darnold. Kind of what's the breakdown of who's been getting the majority of the, the, the throws and you know how close to being healthy is Brock Purdy? Yeah, he's 100% by now. I mean, and, and that was a big surprise. Um, when he had the surgery, um, everybody thought it would be a – a six-month deal, and you started looking at the calendar, and, and six months was really, um, you know, ab- about now, actually a little bit later than now, maybe uh, in the August 20s. Um, and he was good to go right from the start of camp, and, and there was certainly some rust he had to shake off early on. 
Um, you know, he, he missed all the spring drills, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think that's been the case. And, and that's, that's sort of what Brock Purdy brings. Uh, I, I think Christian McCaffrey is tied to that. It, it's a timing um, issue. Um, uh, Brock Purdy, like Jimmy Garoppolo, um, throws the uh, the short passes uh, well. Um, the, the timing is good. He hits receivers in rhythm. He allows guys like Ayuk, like George Kittle, like Debo Samuel, like Christian McCaffrey to uh, catch the ball on the run and then pick up some yards afterwards. And and so that's uh, I think is a very big part of it. That that was what stood out. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in a game against the Dolphins last year. Brock Purdy came in, hardly anybody knew who he was, and that offense never skipped a beat. He was doing things exactly like Garoppolo did, and that's what sort of uh, gave the 49ers so much confidence in the second half of the season. How much do you think he'll get as far as action goes the next couple days in joint practices? I think he'll get a lot uh, of action. Um, I don't think he's going to play on Sunday in the preseason game, but um, I think, uh, you know, just judging – by what the 49ers have done with their first-string quarterbacks and previous joint practices, he gets he'll, he'll get uh, all of the uh, the first-team reps for the 49ers. So it'll be uh, Purdy uh, uh, ostensibly going against the Raiders' first-team defense uh, throughout the day. So that's been a sort of a big deal out here is that Purdy gets all of the first-team reps, and then um, the second and, and third-team reps are divided among. Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, and uh, Brandon Allen, who gets uh, a very scant amount, but he still gets some third-team reps per practice. And uh, it'll be interesting to see with a you know a, a whole new team out there how that's uh, divvied up these next two days. Yeah, we've been talking a lot on the show today and in the past week, as a matter of fact, about what we'll be looking for against the 49ers, knowing that they have a really good defense and obviously they have uh, really great skill players on the offensive side of things. What would you be looking for from the 49ers' standpoint? Well, I mean, um, to see how Purdy does against a different defense. Um, you know, the, the 49ers sort of ironically have a terrific defensive line but it's uh, it's been banged up, and there's been no Nick Bosa. He's holding out for uh, a bigger contract right now, and so that that actually has been um, it's given the uh, the offense a little bit, um, especially in these last few days, a little bit of an advantage. So uh, you know, with Max Crosby out there, um, I think that's uh, that's a big deal for Purdy. Forty ers are breaking in a new right tackle. And I think uh, in an ideal world, this guy, uh, Colton McKivitz, would uh, really have benefited from going against Nick Bosa in practice. Uh, so uh, McKivitz, he's number 68, going against uh, Max Crosby's of the world, I think is uh, really great for his development. So um, some good kind of matchup scenarios uh, with the 49ers, especially guys who are uh, being leaned on for bigger roles this year. Matt Barrows is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So you mentioned Trey Lance and Sam Darnold kind of splitting the second and third team reps. How is that competition going right now for the second, for the, the backup to Brock Purdy? Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's neck and neck, and, and both guys are doing what the 49ers wanted them to. I, I don't think the 49ers ever wanted a scenario where it was clear that one guy was better than the other at this point. Um, I think a big Part of the reason why they brought uh, Sam Darnold in was to, to push Trey Lance, like he's never really been pushed before. Uh, and he's, he's answered the bell. I mean, it's not perfect. Uh, I mentioned that uh, sort of that quick timing, 
that precision that Brock Purdy has, that's, that's the missing element with Trey Lance. Um, he, he's getting better at it. There's still too many throws that are just a little bit off the mark. Maybe it's a completion, but I think in, in Kyle Shanahan's uh, mind, it's uh, maybe not a full miss, but a near miss because the guy's having to kind of take a step backward to catch the pass. It's ruining his momentum. Um, it's not in rhythm. Um, but that that's better than it's been for him, and it's better than it was at the beginning of camp, too. So he's showing strides. Uh, Darnold uh, looked good at the beginning of camp. He's, he's sort of tailed off a little bit uh, as we've gotten into the sort of the second stretch here. Uh, but, you know, we're getting into a, sort of a new realm of camp um, with the preseason games uh, mixed in. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they, they go from here. I would, I would actually, I know this is like the, <laughs> the chicken out answer, but it's very hard to pick a winner between the two. Mm -hmm. I would actually say that Trey Lance is a little ahead of Darnold at this point, but uh, they're very close. I I don't doubt that, right? I mean, I would think that the 49ers would want Trey Lance to be ahead of Sam Darnold. I think we all pretty much know who Sam Darnold is, even though, you know, he's in that Kyle Shanahan system and Kyle's really good with quarterbacks. Let me ask you this, and I'm sure it's the million-dollar question. If you had the answer, uh, you would have won the lottery last night instead of somebody in Florida. But uh, just what do you think the end-all, be-all goal is for Trey Lance? Um, I, I still think that they, I mean, it, it was always going to be, um, a long road for Trey Lance. And they, they understood that when they, they drafted him, they saw a, a very moldable piece of clay. Okay. They saw everything that they wanted in a guy, a guy who was coachable, uh, a guy who was a great leader, a guy who could run, a guy who was big and, uh, could stay healthy for a full season. That's that's been the missing element. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo took a lot of heat out here for uh, missing uh, big chunks of the season and, and almost a full season one year for getting hurt. Trey Lance has been just as unhealthy as him, uh, and that's really held back that development. So here we are going to year three of Trey Lance, and um, it's it's basically where the 49ers expected him to be somewhere in the middle of the, the second offseason with him. Uh, so the, the development, which they always knew was going to take a while, uh, has come along even more slowly than that. And then in the, in the interim, like I said, Trey Lance came in, and that, that offense didn't – I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Brock Purdy came in right. last year, and that offense did not miss a beat. Uh, so, um, you know, it, he, he got Wally pipped, as it were. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and that's where things stand right now. I mean, they, they haven't soured on Trey Lance, but uh, a guy has slipped in ahead of him in line, uh, and, and until that changes, uh, Trey Lance is at best uh, the number two quarterback. Talking all things 49ers right now with Matt Barrows from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. One thing I've read and heard a lot about, or one player, is Brandon Ayuk. I've heard he's had a fantastic camp. What are your thoughts on Ayuk? Yeah, um, Ayuk has um, you know been been hitting the, the gas pedal hard, and, and this started last off season as well. He had a great 2022 off season and, and parlayed that into his first a uh, thousand receiving yard uh, season. Um, he's doing the same thing. He really puts pressure on all the defensive backs. Uh, one of the one of the cornerbacks, Charvarius Ward, the 49ers' best cornerback, recently has come back and is, is starting to practice in full now. And that's, uh, that, that's given Ayuk a little bit better competition, so he's slowed down a little bit. 
I think, in the last few days. But um, I can guarantee that he's going to be one of the guys that wants to show up in these uh, these joint scrimmages. And, and really, it's a, it's a big question for the 49ers moving forward. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, this is an all-star team in, in terms of uh, all the, the weaponry that they have. Uh, but nobody thinks that they're going to be able to go forward with two really high-paid wide receivers in, in Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk. And so the 49ers might have to make a choice at some point. And um, Ayuk is, is definitely making a push to be the guy that they, uh, that they stick with long-term. So with that being said, what do you expect Debo Samuel's role to be this year? He's been the wide receiver slash running back gadget guy. He's been everything, right? But I know he wasn't a big fan of being that running back type guy and getting all that punishment. Do you expect his role or the, his style of play to change at all? I do. I mean, uh, with Christian McCaffrey back there, it's not going to be a case where he's getting – I mean, he, he would get 8 to 12 uh, carries uh, out of the backfield uh, back in, in, in 21. Um, that's not going to be the case this year. It really wasn't the case last year either. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, it's still a great thing to have as an option, and, and I think it'll be something that they do occasionally. I think um, uh, we haven't seen this in training camp, but uh, I'll bet that there are sort of uh, dual backfield roles for both of them, or, you know, mm. Okay. Uh, Debo Samuel will line out wide uh, initially and then uh, go in motion and then end up in the backfield before the play. So, you know, you've got two guys that can catch passes and run the ball equally well. And, and that uh, the, Kyle Shanahan loved those, loves those situations, and uh, you, you better believe he's going to use them, but not to the point where uh, they're just leaning on Samuel like they did when he was their uh, MVP in 2021. So, D'Amico Ryans is in Houston. Now, he's the head coach there. Obviously, the 49ers had a fantastic defense under him. How does that change, or how does that look different under defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes? Well, the, the bottom line is that it doesn't, and that's why the 49ers hired Steve Wilkes. He didn't, he didn't, he's the rare defensive coordinator or coordinator who comes in and, and doesn't hire anybody underneath him. Mm-hmm. So, he, he basically in, inherited the defense inherited the style, and then inherited all of the uh, assistant coaches as well. So it's largely the same defense. Um, he's been experimenting with more blitzing, uh, a little bit more aggressive. Um, he's got one guy at cornerback. I mentioned him earlier, Charvarius Ward. He's number seven, who plays uh, press coverage really well. I think Wilkes, who specializes in, in cornerbacks, wants to uh, develop a, uh, a bookend for Ward. Uh, and that would give the 49ers even more license, I think, to, to blitz and tr- to try to gum things up for uh, the uh, the offense. Uh, so it could be slightly more aggressive than it was last year, but I think D'Amico Ryans initially wanted to do that as well, but he found that this was a defensive line that could get there rushing four. And, mm-hmm. and when you can do that and drop your linebackers back and have your safety back, uh, it just creates more turnovers it's more difficult for the offense uh so uh, I, I just wonder whether wilkes eventually will reach the same conclusions that his uh predecessors did well matt we'll close out with this how does the big fella in the middle now uh, javon hargraves coming over from philadelphia the big ticket guy how does he uh improve this 49ers defense that was already really stinking good yeah it was i mean um you go back to a few years ago and the 49ers had eric armstead and deforest buckner 
in the middle, and they ended up trading Buckner to the Colts. And uh, really, they haven't been able to kind of duplicate that middle um, since then. Um, Eric Armstead went through the uh, all of, uh, last regular season without a sack. He got uh, a little bit better as the season went on and had a had a few in the playoffs. But I, I think having Javon Hargrave next to him helps him out. It, it helps out the whole uh, defensive line. But I think uh, Armstead, at least his pass rush numbers are really going to improve this year. Um, they are a study in contrast. One guy's six seven, <laughs> the other guy's maybe six one and a half, uh, <laughs> and that's what makes uh, Javon Hargrave so hard to block. He just gets underneath the uh, the pads of the uh, opposing guards and center. Um, but uh, he's been difficult to handle for the uh, the 49ers. I, I imagine he will be for the Raiders as well. And I, I know I said that I was going to get you out on that one, but I, I, I'd be dismissed if I didn't ask you one question about Jimmy G and, you know, just kind of what makes him go? What makes him tick? Well, I mean, he was very popular when he was here. Um, you know, he came in in 2017. This was a, a terrible 49ers team. And uh, it, he was like a rock star back then. I mean, he was exactly what the 49ers needed. The fan base responded to him. He won the last five games that year, got a big contract because of it. Um, you know, he, he's a rhythm guy. Uh, and, and if you can get him into a rhythm, uh, the quick passes, the quick throws, uh, I think Josh McDaniel knows this more than anybody because he saw him in New England. That's the kind of offense uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to flourish in. There's a little bit of gunslinger to him, and I think that's why the uh, the Shanahan Garoppolo marriage never really took hold. Uh, Shanahan wants it done very specific way, and I think Garoppolo responds best when he kind of kind of feel that energy, get into a groove, and, um, and and play like that. And and he did that in 2017. Never really kind of uh, reacquired that that same momentum since then, but it'll be interesting to see what he does with the new coach. Yeah, it really will. We're all uh, kind of interested to see the development of Jimmy G under head coach Josh McDaniels. Well, Matt, fantastic stuff, man. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Well, I'm going to be covering these uh, these joint practices really closely. I just did one where I uh, followed uh, Fred Warner around all day during a practice and then talked to Warner afterwards. It really kind of gave me a guy who's been covering this is my 21st uh, training camp uh, nice. <laughs> I learned things that I I never knew before uh, so uh, that was uh, one of the more interesting ones I've done recently oh, that's definitely one to check out for sure it's always good to get a little bit more knowledge well Matt thanks so much speaking of knowledge you gave us plenty great feedback on the 49ers give us something to look forward to, to see what they got coming up the next couple of days in Raiders and Niners joint practices thanks so much for your time my man you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Great stuff right there. Matt Barrels from The Athletic. Fantastic uh, knowledge right there. If you need to know anything else about the San Francisco 49ers, clearly that's where you need to go. Matt Barrels, Barrels from The Athletic on Twitter, at Matt Barrels. We definitely appreciate his time this afternoon. Speaking of time, 319 is the time. Uh, you can hit us at any time at 69187, keyword R&R, so com text line. And, of course, we've got the Raider Nation listener line wide open like some old-school TV antennas at 702-365-9200. The question we threw out there to you, what do you want to see or hear from the 49ers or for the Raiders in their joint practices with the Niners? And then what is your confidence level when it comes to Jimmy G settling in? And what Matt just said was pretty interesting. He's a rhythm guy. Get him in a rhythm. He'll do good. What did I say about what he did today? He was in rhythm.
right? I mean, that was that was exactly what I said today was that he was in a rhythm. He was in a nice little groove. He was very decisive. That's where you need Jimmy to be. You need him to be in a rhythm. So there you go. I like that. Good stuff. 702-365-9200. I got, a, I got a better idea. I want you to call in and give your feedback, but you know what? I also want to give some stuff away because that's just how I roll. Call number nine is what I'm looking for right now. It's the Lotus Summer of Fun. We're going to try to get you to New Orleans, and I'm not going to send you to New Orleans right now, but what I'm going to do is get you qualified for four tickets to an Aviators game, which gets you one step closer to that five days in New Orleans. Got that uh, show on a riverboat. Got that swamp tour on an airboat. $1,000 spending money or – if you don't want to do that, you don't want to go to New Orleans, ah, I don't want to do it, Q. I don't want to go through all that. Just give me three grand in my pocket. We'll do that too. But first, you got to get qualified for the four tickets to the Aviators game. The way you do it, you hit us right now. 702-365-9200. Call it number nine is what we're looking for. Spray Nation Radio 920. Stokes with a rebound out to Gray. Gray, bounce pass into Wilson. Another turnaround jumper for the birthday girl. And she's rolling now. Feeling good. Aces up 58-26. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio making everything go, pushing all the bright buttons on the wheels of steel. You heard that sound coming back right there. T.C. Martin on the call. Asia Wilson with one of her many buckets that she had last night, 27 points, I believe she had, or 28 points. And on her 27th birthday, had a heck of a performance in the way that the Aces beat all up on the the, the Dallas Swings. They didn't even get a chance. They weren't. It's like it was over before it started. Uh, after losing to New York, they thought, you know what? We're going to let there be no questions about this one. And the Wings have been playing them pretty tough up until last night. And then all of a sudden, they let them know what time it is. So sometimes you just need to take one. Need to take a whooping one time to kind of wake you up. And I think the Aces were, were awoken. So uh, we'll talk to Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports coming up in about eh, five or so minutes. Talk all things Aces and also UNLV. I want to shout out to my man John. John got uh, in to win. He got qualified for the four tickets to the Aviators game, which is going to get him one step closer to the Lotus Summer of Fun. Again, the trip to New Orleans, uh, the show on the riverboat, the swamp tour on the airboat, the $1,000 spending money, all that good stuff. We've been going uh, eight weeks is total how long the Lotus Summer of Fun is. We're seven weeks. This is week seven. We'll have one more week next week, but we're trying to create as many winners as possible. So big shout-out to my man John uh, for getting registered for those Aviator tickets. Now, the question that I threw out there, what do you want to see or hear from the Raiders in their joint practices with the Niners, and what's your confidence level when it comes to Jimmy G settling in? We got a text from the 916, Raider Chavez. As a matter of fact, he said, in the joint practices, I want to hear about the defense stepping up and making plays like they have lately in camp. And that's fair. Again, something that we uh, talk about all the time and I've talked about. Like I, I want to say that this defense is starting to turn the corner and that they're, they're communicating better and they're understanding what they're supposed to be doing uh, more. But at the same time, we, uh, we, we have to see it against someone else as opposed to just, uh, just, just themselves. So, uh, yeah, good stuff right there, Raider Chavez. We definitely appreciate that text. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our friend Will. Will, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? How you doing? Um, so, real quick, what I'm thinking about or what I would like to see from the team is how our O-line does against San Francisco's D-line mainly. Mm-hmm. Know. And also, um, if we could get a good run game going against uh, San Francisco's D-line mm-hmm. going on in, in practice, I'm not too sure what what they're going to be running or, you know, or what. I, that's, that's just the main thing, what, I, what yeah. I would like to see. 
Okay. So, hey, sounds good, Will. Thanks for the call. The trenches. Paying attention to the trenches. And I, that's, that's something, especially at the right tackle position, as Vic Tavor, who joined the show earlier, is talking about the competition there uh, at the right tackle, right guard spot. I want to see how uh, Jermaine Illuminor and Thayer Mufford go up against other people that are not themselves. So, obviously, the offensive line, then the defensive line uh, as well, going up against the 49ers. And, you know, can the O-line uh, open up some holes to get Zamir White a little loose, right? Again, in practice is what really matters. The preseason game is there. But what really matters is the joint practices that we'll see starting tomorrow, obviously Friday. And then, of course, we'll have the game officially on Sunday. And you can hear that game right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So you can keep those texts coming at 69187, keyword r Or you can uh, hit us up at 702-365-9200 when we don't have a guest. Again, what do you want to see or hear from the Raiders in their joint practices with the Niners? And where's your confidence level when it comes to Jimmy G? Settling in. i got one more text that I want to get to from Sir Whiskey Ray. Said Q and Ari, gentlemen, happy Wednesday. I want to chime in on today's topic. Loving these questions. I've got full confidence with Jimmy G. He's practicing and getting reps in. Jimmy is healthy at the moment, so we'll leave it at that. No need for the what ifs. Let this play out. As for joint practices with the Niners, I just hope the Niners don't play patty cake with our Raiders. On the real, I'm hoping going up against, against going up versus an elite defense, our offense can execute and keep drives going. Got to start somewhere. Still pool partying hard. An extra day here in Reno. I'll pour one out for you, Q and Ari. The whiskey, the whiskey continues to flow here. LOL. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. So. Uh, there you go. I appreciate that. Sir Whiskey Ray, good stuff. We'll get back to that text in a hot minute. Join us now on the phone lines from Fox 5 Sports is Paloma Villacana. Paloma, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you as always. And, yeah, I think the Aces are okay after last night's game. What did you think of that performance, especially by the birthday girl, Asia Wilson? Yeah, I mean, I knew they would bounce back. The The game on the road in New York was just so un- uncharacteristic of them, really. I mean, they really came out flat in that second half. I think they scored – you know, maybe like eight points in the fourth quarter uh, on the road in in New York. So for them to bounce back and have a dominating win against the Dallas Wings, um, you know, who have a a ton of talent on their team, a ton of talent and a ton of size, um, I know for sure that Asia Wilson was on a mission to to kind of remake for her her game in New York. I know she was like two for 14 um, from the court in New York. So for her to put up 28 points, uh, against the Dallas Wings was huge, and um, you know maybe I, I I can't tell you what went wrong in New York other than that second half. You know they were not there on the basketball court in that second half, and um, you know Asia Wilson says you know it's not about the travel, it's not about flying to the East Coast. Um, it was just about you know not not coming out and, and finding their game uh, against the New York Liberty, who are you know a stacked team, but for them to come out. You know, 104 to 84 in Dallas was was huge, and I have, uh, you know, no question that they'll they'll come back to Vegas and and put up another big show uh, with the Commissioner's Cup coming up on Tuesday, um, a rematch between the Aces and the New York Liberty, and I have a feeling, Q, that the the New York Liberty and the Aces will be kind of the team in in going head to head in the championship. So, um, a ton of talent in the WNBA. It's always fun to watch. 
um, you know, the Aces dominate teams throughout the season. Yeah, there's no doubt. And the Commissioner's Cup is going to be played here in Vegas. Excited about that. I'm sure the Aces will have a little bit of revenge on their mind. But, Mm -hmm. you know, after that Liberty game where they got blown out and the second half just wasn't very good, and, of course, Asia Wilson took that elbow to the head. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were Mm -hmm. talking about her on social media. I saw her clap back a little bit. How much of kind of edge do you think she came out with to try to prove a point? Like, yeah, I had one bad night shooting. That ain't happening again. Yeah, I mean, she definitely was going on Twitter and saying, hey, you know, which I love that Asia Wilson, you know, she told me, you know, she loves to be a troll on Twitter. You know, (laughs) she loves being on social media. Um, But, you know, Asia is one of the most talented athletes I've ever been around in my entire life. So, you know, I had no doubt that, you know, she was going to come back in Dallas and put up a big game. But, um, you know, the Wings are talented, too. You know, they got some great players on that team. And I know it was a a back-and-forth game, you know, the last time they were there in Dallas, I think, you know, the Aces lost by two points. So um, for the Aces to to come out and, and put up a dominating win over the Wings just shows you that they're good. They're really good. They're elite. They're the best team in the WNBA. And for them to bounce back um, after a loss, after their, you know, Becky Hammond was saying that was the worst loss uh, that was the worst game she's been a part of yeah. um, with her time uh, with the Aces. So um, that's the thing about the Aces. I, I I just don't have a feeling that they take anything, you know, too harsh. You know, they, they get back in the gym. They're back at work. And um, road wins are hard. Road wins are hard. And the fact that they, you know, don't travel charter, you know, they're traveling, traveling commercial uh, throughout the country. And for them to put up a dominating win, you know, after one of their worst losses under Becky Hammond, um, says a lot about their their resilience to fight back. Well, you know, the thing about it, Paloma, is that, yeah, they lost that game to the Liberty and they lost bad, but I have a hard time seeing a team that can beat them in a series, right? You might get a win here or there, but it seems like that they're one of those teams, they're just not going to lose a series. No, I mean, they're definitely going to look at what went wrong, you know, against the Liberty. And, you know, they're not going to allow Sabrina Unescu to do that again or, you know, mm-hmm. Brianna Stewart to do that again. And I think, you know, the best basketball we saw, you know, away from this season was the, the Storm and Aces series last year in the playoffs. And that was just incredible, just how the Aces, you know, never gave up, never stopped fighting. You know, it was, you know, .2 seconds left on the clock and, you know, they're still shooting the heck out of the ball. So, um, Chelsea Gray, we, we know she comes up clutch down the stretch. Um, and we've, we've seen Chelsea Gray, you know, put on an incredible performance all season long. Um, you know, one of the best passers in the league for sure. Um, but you know, I'm keeping my eye up on, on the aces bench too. Um, and see, seeing how they can step up down the stretch of their season. But when Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray and Jackie Young are rolling, um, they're unstoppable. Is there any uh, word on, on Candace Parker? Is she anywhere close to returning? As far as I know, she's still day-to-day. Um, and I know Becky Hammond is very um, strict when it comes to injuries. She doesn't yeah. want to put a player out there and, you know, waste any time with uh, – not waste any time, but she doesn't want to put a player out there too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know even when Kelsey Plum wasn't feeling good earlier this season, you know, she was like – get some rest, stay away from us, and, um, you know, she'll, she'll be back when she's healthy. And even when it came to Asia Wilson getting hit in the head uh, in New York, you know, she was really strong about Asia making sure she cleared the concussion protocol 
um, for her to come out there, which she did. And she she reiterated that she's never going to put a player out there um, who's not 100% clear to go. So, of course, we want to see Candace Parker back with the Aces as soon as possible. But, um, you know, if, if, if she needs to stay off the court and let her foot heal as long as she can, um, you know, that'll be crucial. But the regular season's coming down coming down the wire, coming yeah. to an end, and, and we're headed to the playoffs soon. So, Hopefully, Candace Parker can sneak in at the back of the back end of the regular season and be ready for the playoffs. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Again, Paloma Villacana from Fox Five Sports is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. How cool was it when Asia Wilson? And of course, it's not cool that she, you know, was banged up and had to go back <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. locker room for yeah. concussion protocol. But she walked to the locker room. Then they called her back. She went out with an yeah. attitude. She she came out with an attitude. Knocked down two shots. Kind of gave everybody the stink eye, and then went back to the locker room. I thought that, that even though they lost that game and got blown out, Paloma, that was one of the most entertainment moments of the game yeah i mean she she's a she's a fighter i mean she she's not gonna back down from anyone or anything so um she knew that in order for her to return to the game um she had to knock down those two free throws so um you know she knows she's the captain of that team so you know she's gonna go out there and and obviously obviously sink those two free throws for (laughs) sure but yeah it says a lot about who she is you know any anytime i'm around Asia Wilson, you know, her competitive spirit is so contagious. Her work ethic is so contagious. Um, You know, she reminds me of, like, a female version of Kobe Bryant. I mean, just their work ethic um, and their passion. And anytime I talk to Asia Wilson, you know, she's so dedicated to her team and dedicated to winning another championship. And, um, you know, she puts a lot of weight on her shoulders to do whatever she can do um, to consistently win every single night and, you know, putting up 28 points, 14 rebounds, um, you know, it's just another another night from her where she's just so dominant. So, um, yeah, Asia Wilson, you know, carries a lot of pressure, puts a lot of pressure on herself um, to be the glue of this team, to be the captain of this team, and, and to lead her team to another championship. So final question about the Aces I have for you. Uh, what are your expectations for that game on Tuesday, the Commissioner's Cup, obviously the Liberty coming back to town? <laughs> You know what, Q, I've seen, you know, just a little bit of tension out there on the court. Uh, mm-hmm. The All-Star game, you know, it's Sabrina Ionescu and Brianna Stewart. You know, you have respect. You know, you have a ton of respect for your for your opponents. But this Liberty Aces is, matchup has been a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, just how aggressive they play, you know, how physical this matchup is. Obviously, we saw how physical the game was in New York, but... You know, there's definitely some tension in the air when Brianna Stewart and Sabrina Ionescu, these are the best athletes in the world, you know, on the court at the same time. Um, and they're so competitive. You know, their their competitive spirit is, you know, the best in the world. So when you get this team, this matchup, you know, they don't want to be called the, the super teams of the WNBA. Asia Wilson just said, you know, it just shows, shows you the two teams uh, that want to win the most. Right. In the WNBA, so um, you have the best athletes in the world, and Sabrina Ionescu, man, she's so talented to watch her in the All Star game up close, uh, to see her knock down four pointers, and to see her, you know, break the NBA record for the most three pointers. Um, she is so talented, but so, so are the Aces, you know. So is Chelsea Gray and and that whole squad. So the Commissioner's Cup is going to be a lot of fun Tuesday night.
at the yeah. Global Arena. Yeah, I'm expecting it to be a, a heck of a game. Can't wait to check it out again. We're talking with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now I want to go to the, the football field and talk about yeah. some UNLV Rebels. And I, I saw a note yeah. that tomorrow they're putting the pads on. What has yeah. been camp like so far pre-pads? Man, Q, I don't even know. Like, I, I come on your show and I'm like, there's just not enough time to, to talk about <laughs> UNLV. Every single detail, every single detail of this football program is completely different from last year. Obviously, you have Barry Odom from Arkansas bringing in a brand new staff. And I mean, you know, he only has two coaches um, from Coach Arroyo's era that are that are on the team. And that's um, Coach Mags, the safeties coach. Um, and Nate Longshore, the tight ends coach. So there's just only two coaches um, from the previous coaching staff that have rolled over. Everyone else is brand new, and I'm talking the way they eat, the way they sleep, the way they train, the way they uh, recover. It is completely different. So um, my first couple of days at practice, you know, I've been, you know, shocked to see you know, how good they look. You know, the Rebels look right. really good. Doug Brownfield looks healthy really good he looks stronger um he spent a lot of off season uh spent a lot of time this off season training with their new strength coach who is uh bringing nfl and nba experience into the weight room um you know just the way the rebels do everything is completely different this year so i'm super excited to to kick off the red zone on sunday august 27th because we're really diving into this team uh, in all three phases, you know, really getting into every single player, every single coach, uh, because it's a brand new football team, and the way they are going about their business is completely different than what we've seen in the past three years. So I hope fans expect to see, you know, a brand new looking team. Um, you know, I've been so impressed with the defense. The DBs have been flying around, uh, making big plays. I've been watching pick after pick in practice. Um, you know, uh, and on offense, I mean, you know, they got some stud receivers. The running backs look good. Doug Brumfield looks healthy. He looks bigger. Uh, so I, I don't know how much time you have, Q, but <laughs> <laughs> I could really go on and talk about UNLV. It just excites me. You know, it yeah. excites me to see uh, UNLV and the program turning around with all these SEC coaches. And I asked one of the linebackers who transferred from Arkansas, Jackson Woodard, um, you know, what is the similarities between the UNLV practices and his SEC practices? And he told me it's the exact same. The physicality, the focus, um, the competitiveness, it is the exact same as an SEC practice. So I hope Rebel fans are super excited about that. And, um, you know, Barry Odom wants to win games, and he wants to win games fast. So uh, excited to see them take the field on September 2nd. Yeah, that, I'm excited as well. You know, they got the SEC coaches. They're trying to bring that mm -hmm. SEC style. They're trying to, mm -hmm. you know, put on the, the players, get that SEC weight. So, yeah, that's that's something to get excited about. And, uh, Paloma, final question for you. When it comes to them putting on the pads tomorrow, what is it mm -hmm. that you'll be looking forward to and, and kind of seeing? Is there something that's going to stand out to you that you want to pay attention to? Yeah, I mean, finally we get to see them play football. You know, it's yeah. been fun to kind of watch them walk through everything and, um, kind of get to, you know, gel and find some chemistry. But um, I'm excited to see them just finally go, you know, 11-on-11, super hard, full speed, full out. Um, you know, I want to see Doug Brumfield under pressure. You know, I want to see him be able to escape the pocket, you know, use his legs to extend plays. Because uh, we know Doug Brumfield can run. We know right. he can run the ball. Um, but, you know, a focus this, this training camp has been the offensive line. 
um, trying to find cohesion on the offensive line with so many new pieces, um, a new coach, and trying to see how the offensive line can do a better job this season protecting Doug um, and being able to, to open up gaps for, for their running backs, too. So, um, And then on the defense side of the ball, you know, the defense is playing lights out, you know, under their new defensive coordinator, Mike Shearer, who's coming from Arkansas. So um, there's just a lot, of, a lot of good I'm seeing at UNLV football practice. And with the pads on, you know, it'll be more fun to see the guys full speed, explosive, um, and see who really stands out. So things are looking good over there at UNLV, go. and I know they got a couple more weeks to go of fall camp. So super, super excited for my first red zone with Barry Odom. There you go. We'll let everybody know again when that red zone's coming out. Yeah, Sunday, August 27th, we'll preview uh, We'll preview the first game of the season against Bryant on September 2nd. But that first red zone will be really introducing everyone to all the new coaches, the new players, the new pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, we've got an awesome feature with their strength coach. Um, so my job is to really show Vegas you know, how different this UNLV football team looks um, and just how much more improved the Rebels look on both sides of the ball. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. It's already fall. Football's right around <laughs> yeah. the corner, college and pros. So let's get after it. So, Paloma, great Ooh. stuff as always. Definitely appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, Q. See you later. All right. See you. There she goes. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. Fantastic job. Yeah, the, the Reb Zone. You want to check it out. Sunday, August 27th, get introduced to the UNLV coaching staff. Get introduced to Coach Barry Odom. They're doing everything SEC style. So I look forward to seeing what it looks like. I look forward to seeing them at Allegiant Stadium. I look forward to seeing them be a better program than they have been in years past. So uh, they started off pretty hot last season, and then we know it didn't end the way it should have ended, but we look forward to it. Of course, all the UNLV games you can always hear on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. 3.45 is the time. We'll take a quick break, uh, get back to some calls and texts, close out hour number two of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Yes, I am uh, intense, and I would be afraid, too, to start if I didn't know him. Eric Bieniemy is who he is, okay? Eric Bieniemy knows how to adapt and adjust. Eric Bieniemy is a tough, hard-nosed coach, but also understand I'm going to be the biggest and harshest critic, but I'm also their number one fan because I got their back, and I'm going to support them at all times. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That's the intense, his words, not mine, Eric Bieniemy, Washington Commanders offense coordinator, a guy that I think was put into a tough position by his head coach, of all people, Ron Rivera, who let it be known that the young players on the Commanders weren't too happy with the coaching style of one Eric Bieniemy. feel like that was a conversation for, I don't know, behind closed doors and not in front of a camera, but that's just me. Who knows? I know Ron Rivera, the head coach, did come out and say he put his foot in his uh, mouth and that he shouldn't have said that. So, obviously, I'm not too far off base. But it's out there now. Uh, it'll go away. It'll be a story that's a story right now, and it'll be gone sooner rather than later. But uh, there you go, Eric Bien-Ami, uh talking in the third person, which, okay, I'm not mad at that. I'm a big Ricky Henderson fan. He always talked in the third person. So, <laughs> right? Can't get too mad at that. Coming up at 4 o'clock, speaking of it, uh, talk about uh, intense guys, how about Antonio Pierce? Raiders linebacker coach. He was one of the dudes that we were able to talk to yesterday, and I say dudes because he was a dude, right? I, I say that with all due respect. Normally I would just say Coach Pierce or, or, or Antonio Pierce, the linebacker's coach, but I call him a dude because he was an absolute dude on the field, and he's an absolute dude as a coach. When I watch him, and I think that tomorrow and Friday will be a, a perfect opportunity when they have those joint practices, we get to see a little bit more of the fields 
instead of just one field, they kind of move us around. I'll be interested to see what side of the, the actual fields that we're on. But we get to see a little bit more. And I remember last year being able to kind of watch and study Antonio Pierce. And, man, this dude, like he played at a high level, high octane, a lot of speed and enthusiasm. Yeah, that's, that's how he coaches as well. So I look forward to paying attention to what he's got going on tomorrow for joint practices with the 49ers. But through the question out there, 69187, keyword r you know, what are you looking forward to from the Raiders' uh, joint practices with the 49ers, and where's your confidence level when it comes to Jimmy G, him getting settled in? I'll get to those calls and texts. Well, I'll get to those texts in a minute. Let's get to a call real quick at 702-365-9200. ABA, Ivan Davis, you're up. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I think two things. Uh, what I'd like to see from the defense, I mean, I mean, the joint practices is mostly on the defense. What kind of improvement uh, are they having? And is it is this fake with Jimmy G and all the intercessions or is it just, you know, just a luck streak? Well, right. I think it's more of the latter. I think that this actually improved defense, but this is a pretty good test. Okay, uh, against a 49er team that's, Offense is pretty similar to what they actually play against. I mean, what they actually, you know, in practice. Right. It's pretty similar. Okay. And uh, secondly, <clears throat> I think that Jimmy G is going to be fine. I think he's playing against a better defense where the windows are just not there like they were in practice. Right. Uh, from a year ago, they're a better team. So as soon as he makes that adjustment, he'll be fine. He's going to be a better quarterback for going up against a defense like that. And okay. that's all I have to say. It's my birthday today, Q. Yeah, happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday, ABA Ivan Davis. That's what's up, man. Thanks for the call. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Jimmy's just got to get settled in, right? And that's, that's just about it. Just got to get settled in. Uh, as we talked to Matt Barrels earlier, I thought that was a really good conversation. If you missed that conversation, make sure you go check it out right after the show, lvsportsnetwork.com. Uh, we podcast everything that we do here on the station from the morning tailgate to JT the Brick to, of course, Unnecessary Roughness. And Matt Barrels was very educating when it came to the 49ers. And the last question I, I asked him was about Jimmy G. And, you know, the funny thing is every single person we talked to to a T. And we've asked him about Jimmy G. Anyone who's ever covered him has nothing but glowing things to say about him. Not a bad word in the room, right? And obviously we know the injury history. We get that. But for the most part, the dude is a stand-up guy. The dude is a leader. Um, when he's in rhythm, as Matt Barrows pointed out, he could be a hell of a, hell of a quarterback. And he could do what he's supposed to do and do it at a very high level, which is obviously what everyone in Raider Nation wants him to do starting, well, week one versus the Denver Broncos. So uh, really good stuff from Matt. So if you want to check that out, definitely go listen to our podcast later. Again, lvsportsnetwork.com. We podcast everything, everything, even our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, Fox Sports Las Vegas, 1230 The Game, everything. We all got it. Your one-stop shop. That's how we get down. So definitely appreciate the call. Appreciate uh, the text. We're going to get to the text. I see a bunch of texts on the don'tbebroke.com text line. We'll get to those. We'll get to some more calls. Matter of fact, Mitch, I see you. Hold on, brother. We'll get to you on the other side. Plus, Antonio Pierce, the Raiders linebacker coach, had an opportunity to catch up with him at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center yesterday, along with Jason Simmons from the secondary coach, Bo Hardegree, the quarterback coach, Carmen Brasillo, who you heard from earlier in the show, offensive line coach, Kennedy Palomalo, the running back coach, and also Edgar Bennett, wide receiver coach. Talk to all those guys yesterday. You'll hear from Antonio Pierce. We'll get to Mitch in New Jersey. We'll hit the don'tbebroke.com text line. We're going to do it all. Please believe that. It's all coming up as we kick off hour number three of the show. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920.